hello! Welcome to episode 223 of Sack King's Therapy. Uh, I am coming to you right after the Grizzlies uh, beat the Kings to make the Kings go 0-4 to start the season. Uh, unfortunately, still winless, uh, still just, you know, it's... It, I wouldn't, it's not doom and gloom, even though some, some people are even firing up the trade machine already on Twitter, but how seriously do you want to take Twitter sometimes, I guess, but uh, not, not great vibes, just, you know, it, it's the fourth loss, it, it's, it's tough to kind of go through that, overall, the team still seems in high spirits, but you, you gotta get some wins at some point, like, you know, these are tough teams. These are playoff teams, Portland being the worst of the bunch. But, like, they're still, you know, probably in the play-in. And right now, they're dead back in the playoffs. So, like, it's it, it's tough. Um, you know, start uh, starting just, you know, 0-4 is never good. And, you know, against good teams, you know, you, you got to give the Kings some slack, I guess. But at the same time, like De'Aaron Fox said it, you know, it, good teams can beat good teams. And, you know, the Kings did stay in it for a bit, but, you know, like they got close a few times, but honestly, like looking back, maybe they, maybe they were never close, to be honest. They, it was as close as two points in the third quarter, and that's based, that was basically as close as it got. And it just, you know, the Kings, they, they're, they're still figuring stuff out. Like the best version of the Kings is the one in transition. And right now their defense just isn't, you know, consistent enough throughout 48 games to actually like, you know, force enough turnovers to, you know, like go get out to basically win these games. Basically, um, there's a lot more other stuff. We'll get into it. But like to break it all down, their defense just kind of isn't where it needs to be. Their offense can like be hit or miss, to say the least. <laughs> um I still don't love them jacking as many threes as like they do. Like if you look back at the at the past four games, all the teams have kind of shot around or made around the Kings. Um, they made the same amount of threes as the Kings. I think for the most part. I think um, Portland made less, but they took but they took less attempts. Because the idea of like just jacking up a lot of threes and. You know, unfortunately, it's not that the Kings don't have good shooters, but it just seems like at least one shooter is bound to just not make shots. And, you know, this game, like, not a lot of guys kind of went off from three. Like, the only ones that sh had more than one three were De'Aaron Fox, even though one was uh, late, and then Keegan Murray and Malik Monk. That Those are the only ones that had more than one made three. The other one... The other guys all made only one. Like Harrison Barnes only had one three, even though he actually played pretty well. Um, um, Kevin Herter only played 19 minutes, only had one three. Uh, Damian Mitchell had one. Terrence Davis had one. It's just not enough threes to go around. And it just seems like someone is always a little off. So, you know, it's just the, the idea of just jacking up as many threes as, they, as possible. I don't love that idea. It was the Luke Wallen philosophy. And I never really liked that. You got to be able to get great shots at the rim first, and then kick out to threes, which is unfortunately what the what the other teams do. So, uh, what happened this game? So the Kings actually jumped out to a ten point lead, but the game basically changed when Tyus Jones checked in. Tyus is kind of exemplifies the Kings' main issue: dribble penetration. They they basically always more or less die on screens, give up dribble penetration. 
which leads to, you know, a shot for the shot for the big man, you know, because the guy guarding the big man has to kind of rotate over and it leads to a layup or it leads to an open three. And that's the recipe to beat the Kings. And it's not a very complicated recipe. Give up, give up double dribble penetration and just and then they basically kick it out for a good shot one way or the other. That's basically what happened. And Tyus Jones, not exactly the quickest guy, but just a solid, you know, good veteran point guard who knows how to just run an offense. And he simply just got dribble penetration and loosened up the defense and just, you know, got good shot after good shot. And he kind of changed the game. But the MVP for the uh, for the Grizzlies, Desmond Bain. Now I know I know this guy can shoot, but it's really but this is the first time I really like truly it truly dawned on us just how good of a shooter he is. And I thought the Kings actually played good defense on him for you know quite a few possessions, and you know like this is just one of those games where he makes some, but they there were some one or two open ones where like why is he open? He is the best shooter on the Grizzlies, and he was absolutely lights out. And you know, he basically killed a run like early, like early in the third, early in the fourth, where you know, great defense throughout the possession, and then he just pulls up in TD's face and nails like you know, just I think he was just near the three point line, and that kind of killed the run. And you know, this this fucker, <laughs> this fucker, is just talking all the shit, and you know, never gets a tech. But you know that that it is what it is sometimes. But yes, he was the MVP of this game. John Moran had a good game, 22 points, 8 for 18. Like, he never really plays that well against the Kings. Now, that's not really an indictment on him or anything. The Grizzlies don't ever need to because, like, a guy like Desmond Bain just kind of goes off. A guy like De- De- Dylan Brooks goes off, even though it's 4 of 12 of this game. Like, so- somebody else can usually do the work, and that's kind of what he does. Um, Steven Adams was... Kind of a force down low, seven offensive rebounds. Wow, Jesus Christ. Seven offensive rebounds. Just absolutely dominated on that end. Like, Sabonis did what he could, but, like, he he's just big. He knows how to get position. And there were just some crucial possessions that he just, you know, just got the rebound, and it led to a three or a layup, and it killed the Kings' momentum. Now, the Kings, the Kings were down for most of the game other than that first quarter, and... Like they they made some runs, and I'll talk a little about the third quarter run, and that's kind of where the best version of the Kings comes through, is when they start kind of just forcing some turnovers, they turn up the intensity on defense, and it leads to just beautiful transition offense, and the, like during during the third quarter, uh, the Kentucky connection, um, Fox and Monk just absolutely just ran just. Absolutely was a highlight reel. Um, Fox had a beautiful lob dunk to uh, Malik Monk, and then on the next possession, they forced another. I think they forced a turnover, turnover, or like they just got out in transition, and it was a a lob from Malik to uh, De'Aaron. Like that is the best version of the Kings: forcing a turnover, playing fast, and just getting down the court because they have some athletic motherfuckers on on the roster, and that's kind of what they did. Unfortunately. They just don't get enough. They just don't have enough stretches like that. And each time they actually had a run like that, the, the Grizzlies immediately answer like a 8-0 run by the Kings with an 8-0 run of their own, like a 12-0 run of their own. And the game kind of went like that for a lot until like the very end where the Kings just ran out of gas and the Grizzlies just finished them off. The Kings need to 
find a way to be able to get um, con- more consistent defensively. You know, again, as I mentioned, put, they put together these good stretches, and it's absolute and it's the best version of the Kings. Transition threes, transition dunks, just really, just that's how basketball is meant to be played. But they need to be able to, they need to be able to like be more consistent defensively. They don't need to force turnovers like all the time, but they need to be able to defend as a team, close the close the passing lanes, and just you know, just make just make things tougher on the defensive end. As it stands, they have they have like they just give up dribble penetration way too easily, le- leading to good shots, you know, easy shots for the other team. And it wastes though these kinds of good efforts, these kinds of great stretches where you are forcing turnover. The, the other team just coughs the ball up for no reason. Like if if they can just kind of try, I don't know how they do it. Like the roster just isn't great with dribble penetration because like if the if the guard doesn't get picked off, like the big man can be a bit iffy. Although I think Sabonis was fine for a lot of possessions, but like t- definitely the Grizzlies were not like they were they were willing to go at him. Like Desmond Bain went out a few times. Like John Morant like went at like went at him constantly, and Sabonis did fine. But when you get, when the t- other team can just get into the paint or get right to the rim, good things usually happen for the other team because. Like, you know, they're at the rim, like they can snag an offensive rebound, guys are out of position, they're not rotating quick enough, and it leads to open shots. So that's the key that the Kings need to fix somehow. I have predicted before, and again, I still can't remember whether I actually said it or not. I thought the Kings were gonna get off to a slow start because they're getting used to a new defense like a new defensive coach, and like they're gonna have to learn how to play defense. And hopefully towards the midway point of the season, their defense just comes together and you know the offense can kind of stay where it is and I think this team will be in a very very good position but as it stands right now dribble penetration way too easily they need to they need to clean that up okay um some other notes I have um yeah the the Kentucky connection was terrific like uh, Kevin Herter hurt his shoulder um, and wrist apparently there's some there were like two reports but basically there was a collision between him and uh him and Dylan Brooks basically kind of injuring him so he didn't play much in the second half so we got to see more of the Kentucky connection and like the, they got something going there I, I still am very afraid of that um that duel uh defensively even though Fox has been pretty good defensively I think for the most part um you know he guarded John Moran for a lot of the game and you know it is what it is <laughs> like he, he he did he did what he could but he just got he just kind of dies on screens and like they like screen Steven Adams is a brick wall of a human. Like he'll screen you off, but like, you know, and then there was also like some illegal screens that, you know, let's be honest, the Grizzlies got away with, but like, he was just kind of dying on screens and then Malik Monk isn't exactly any better. Davion like didn't really have an effect on this game. Like again, the way that he, he had to guard Tyus Jones a lot. I noticed. And like, he just, again, Tyus is just a tactical attacker just kind of a guy you don't like Davion's like he's really good at defending these guys but you're kind of wasting Davion because you know Davion is really good at those like dribble dribble drive artist guys but Tyus is more tactical more just like you know plays with a certain level certain like even keel pace and just kind of really again tactically navigates and runs an offense and like a guy like Davion just he just didn't really have a great amount of success against Tyus like this is the kind of thing of like if Kevin Herter can't go, 
I would start Davion next to Fox just so he can check the other team's point guard. Now, next game is going to be uh, the Miami Heat. I think I think we're going to see... Uh, does Tyler Hero Tyler comes off the bench for them, I think. So they might actually still want to um, bring him off the bench just to check uh, Tyler Hero because he's got King's Killer written all over him. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But, like... I think um, the Kentucky connection, like they found, they found something in this game, and you know, hopefully, like you know, this can build into something throughout the season. It is still early, but it's gonna get late real soon. At some point, they gotta, they gotta start racking up these wins. They gotta start figuring stuff out. Um, Sabonis, he was good this game. Like I wish he would score a little bit more. He ended up only scoring what eleven points, almost at a triple double actually. Eleven rebound, uh, eleven points, eleven rebounds, and nine assists. I thought he was pretty good. The only thing that really stands out to me about him is that he still hasn't figured out how to attack the double team. Like when Steven Adams wasn't on the floor, they would just double double the shit out of him, like just hard double, and there just wasn't a pass for him. And it's it's a bit odd. I, I would I would have to rewatch the tape to see like what the pass is, but like he needs to be able to punish that double team if like they if they're gonna go small on him and. You know he still has some issues finishing. Um, he did he did do like the best he could, um, but he needs to he needs to be able to score more. Like eleven points is, isn't going to cut it from him. I don't think he needs to get to like fifteen at least to like fifteen twenty. And I just I don't I don't know how I don't know how this is going to get solved per per se. But I think with a little bit more just chemistry and just knowing where other players are, like this can find its way to work. I hope. Um, the other thing is like the teams are st- like the chemistry just still, still isn't there. There was one, there was one run that the Kings made that kind of ki- got killed off when Sabonis t- like turned the ball over in transition, trying to find De'Aaron, but De'Aaron wasn't sure where to go, but hopefully that gets fixed with just more time. Uh, other than that, I thought he was fine. Like I, I still just wish he'd be a little bit more aggressive and just, you know, it, it like his defense is what it is. Very good to, def- um, what's it called? Uh, was to. De- positional defender but you know he's he's not very long he's not very quick it, it is what it is um last thing i want to quickly talk about about the kings before we just move on to some random topics i just want to get get a word in about i guess uh mike brown played a chemezi metu was it 14 minutes today and he also played shima moneki six minutes um but I thought both were fine. Chima, like, his offense is, like, there's a lot to be desired with him on offense. But defensively, just in the right position, you know, is, like, he has, a, he has a nose for the ball. He has, like, really good just basketball instinct. And he just, you know, there, there's a lot of good stuff with him. He will need to find a way to affect the game on offense. Just like he's, it just seems like the only thing I remember, remember about him on offense is he just blows layups. Granted, like the the one layup he had, like it was a, it was a it was a alley oop that was just a really bad angle, and like a guy was right there, so it was hard for him to finish. But defensively, I really like what he brings, and he guarded like John Morant decently well on a few possessions. Maybe a little bit more of that. We need a better sample size of that. But uh, yeah, I really like Shima. And Metu, like as soon as he got on the floor, I'm just, oh no, why is why is he on the floor and why is he the center? And like for the most part, I actually really liked his minutes. You know, didn't try to do too much, played within himself, didn't dribble too much, and then like you know get stripped. So 
I thought he was fine this game. Um, there was there was a stretch where like they, he played or Mike Brown played Metu and Moneki together while Steven Adams was out there, and that was a bit questionable. But other than that, I thought both were pre- pretty okay. You know, the bench wasn't very good this game. Um, Davion Mitchell really struggling and honestly been really disappointing for me. I, I just he needs to be able. I hope he can find a way to run the offense a little better as the bench bench unit. Um. Like he's he's not he's still trying to fit, fight, figure out a way to fit into the offense. Rashawn and kind of another guy that's still just trying to figure out how to like fit into the new offense. I mean, granted, it's hard to it's hard to do when Davion only plays twelve minutes and Rashawn only gets eight. Like these guys are still trying to figure it out, and hopefully they can find it sooner or later. Because unfortunately, this team this this game was kind of lost because like the bench of the of the Memphis Grizzlies was really good. I just mentioned Tyus Jones was, was really good off the bench. Brandon Clark. I absolutely love this guy. Um, Jake LaRavia, LaRavia, like he was good. Like they had guys that just come off the bench and like, they don't ask them to do too much. They just ask them to, you know, do role play or something, you know, make open threes, roll to the rim. Like this is, somehow are able to kind of break it down for these players. And like these players just keep popping up on the Grizzlies. Like just, they're able to contribute. They keep their role really simple. They're smart and they just find a way to affect the game, whether with scoring or without like guys like that, Davion, like Rashawn and, you know, like even Terrence Davis, like these guys like need to be able to find their role in the offense. And we'll see how things go, you know, going forward. But like Mike Brown was trying to find something to work in. This game was Metu and Moniki, and, you know, why not? Like, it's early on in the season. Let, let's try something out. Okay. All right. That's all I have for this game. Uh, it's unfortunate. It's another loss. <laughs> um, but th- there are some good things, and hopefully the Kings just are able to figure something out. It's not all doom and gloom, but, like, it, it's, it's time to get some wins here. And against Miami, it's going to be tough, but that might be the game you really need to win because – Charlotte is on the road, and I don't know about that. <laughs> Just, I don't have a lot of confidence in the Kings to be able to, you know, quote unquote, beat bad teams. Like, you, you got to be able to prove you can beat a good team. And Miami Heat are struggling. They just lost to the Warriors, so they're going to be out for a vengeance. So we'll see how that goes. Okay. All right. For um, just some quick thoughts I have around the league. Um, so I, I watched a little bit of the Nets um, against the Bucks, and I believe they lost against the Mavericks today. And I do have the box score open, and there's one guy I would just want to talk about. Ben Simmons. I, I really wanted the Kings to trade for him over the, over the offseason. I just thought he'd be a guy that could fix a lot of the Kings' defensive issues. And, you know, he's a great passer, and... You know, in the regular season, his scoring issues, his unwillingness to shoot, his lack of shooting just doesn't affect teams that much. Holy shit, I was wrong. Um, the only way I can describe the way he plays, there is a there is a gif where um, he gets the ball and he gets the pass from Kyrie and he's in the lane and he doesn't lay it up, instead passes it out to uh Kevin Durant, and you can actually hear, like, on the mic of Kyrie say, shoot it, Ben, shoot it. To be fair, Giannis is right there. Granted, he's a little bit off balance. Maybe he doesn't get up to dunk it, but, like, you know, it, it's kind of the, you know, the 
I guess the summary of like what Ben's been like in the first what four games. I think they're one and three or one and four. Ben is he plays like such a pussy. Like I get it. He's a little bit he he's in his head. There's a lot of mental stuff that maybe there he is going through some mental health stuff that just you know you don't want to speak on too much. But like, look, I get like I watched that old man in the three podcast with him, and he says. You know, there's a lot of other stuff that I do. Um, ben Simmons said that. And, yeah, th- there's a lot of stuff. He's he's a really good passer. He keeps the ball moving. And, like, he plays really good defense. There was – I was watching the – I think the Raptors game. He was all over on defense. And even this game, he ended up with four steals. Yeah, three steals, uh, zero blocks. But, like, there, I imagine there was a lot of activity there. But the fact of the matter is, like, him just being aggressive – and trying to score opens up stuff. And, like, he, I don't think you can af- he can afford to play like a Draymond Green. Like, Draymond Green only works with Steph Curry, like, because Steph, is, you know, attracts so much attention. But Ben Simmons is just so scared to score that, you know, granted, it's kind of the offense. The offense is an issue all on its own. But, like, him not attacking makes it so much harder on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving that they just have to do so much on offense. And the, the dude is scoring seven points, which is actually a lot for him. He needs to score more. He cannot just play like such a pussy where he doesn't look at the rim. He doesn't try to score, is not aggressive. So guys just sag off him anyways. And he, he, needs, to, he needs to be able to like find the right amount of aggression. Because right now, there's no aggression. And he needs to find it. And, and it'll make the team better because also right now he's a horrific, he's a huge minus, I think, on the court because he, they usually play him, unfortunately, with another non-shooter, which that's a fucking disaster. And like the plus minus is terrible. And like it seems, I think Kyrie, Durant, and Nick Claxton all are better with him off the floor just because he, they team know he can't shoot. He won't even try to attack. And yeah, he's got to find his confidence. Like it is early in the season. Like I'll cut him some slack there, but you know, he, you know, the team will be better once he decides to just play with just more force. Cause right now there's no force and it just, yeah, he, he, he looks like a pussy out there. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, the other thing quickly I want to talk about, uh, the wolves aren't meshing all that well. Like I watched a few highlights where like the, I mean, look, I don't know what it is with Rudy Gobert. I call him like the the defensive version of like Kobe to a certain degree. And what I mean by this, no, don't worry, there's not nothing blasphemous. This used to be a thing where Kobe was just so good that whenever he was out there, the team would end up relying on him like a little bit more, whether to his fault or not. Like some, part of it was he was he did hold the ball a little too much. But the point is the team wouldn't run the offense as well with him on the floor. And because the reason is because like they can always rely on Kobe to bail them out. And Kobe did bail them out a lot of the time. So like the offense, while you know, doesn't really run as well with Kobe out there, the result ends up kind of being, you know, the same, even if they run the offense, because Kobe was just so good. And they, and the other teammates just kind of rely on him to score. Rudy's kind of a little bit like that on defense where, Almost everyone just kind of relaxes a little bit and just doesn't play defense just as hard. Now, granted, part of it is the drop coverage. The like Rudy plays one way, and team 
like I don't want to say teams have figured out the Spurs seem to have like they have a way of attacking it and like they're just able to they know that they can get open mid-range shots and like if the guy just doesn't if the main primary perimeter defender doesn't get around the screen well it's an open shot and Rudy is not going to contest that and teams just know that and that's part of the scheme he's just going to give up those shots and you know analytically those are that's great for the defense but right now the offenses are making those shots and they're kind of wolves are in a tough spot and now there's like weird chemistry issues between and um d'angelo um and cat and you know rudy just uh, unfortunate unfortunate bad vibes right now i i think they'll figure it out they have a lot of talent and like it's it'd be weird that they don't figure it out but then uh let's uh quickly talk about uh carving the towns I'm pretty sure I said this on an episode. I would have traded him in the offseason to the Nets for Kevin Durant. Giving giving the Nets a similar sort of package and seeing if they bite. Like, what, what, what do they end up using for uh, Rudy Gobert? Because I watched, I watched that playoffs, and Cat had his moments. But this is not the guy. Like, the guy makes bad decisions god awful and even so bad to the point where you know rudy's still trying to figure out how to you know um how to protect this guy i i had thought like you know you know if teams attack him on the perimeter like you can you have rudy back there to kind of cover from they're still trying to figure that out but he is really bad on defense and then and then on offense sure he's one of, he's the best shooting big man in history doesn't doesn't mean jack shit when you just when you just don't make shots anymore like He's he's kind of like you know he's kind of like an evolved version of Jabari Smith where like he's not great at creating like an easy shot for the most part. He's usually like jacking up long threes or like trying to get to the rim but not finishing strong not finishing strong enough. Like he doesn't really have spots. I don't feel like that. You know his go to spots for whatever reason and you know th- that come as you know the complete package of him just is a guy that just. Is is nowhere near a number one. Ant is the number one, and then, but unfortunately, like Ant is so young, he's not. He might not be ready to, you know, take over the team just yet. And you know, I thought it was ridiculous when people were saying like he's going to be in the MVP conversation. Now he could get into the MVP conversation, but like I think Carl Anthony Towns holds back this team just with his, you know, his bad defense, his, you know, somewhat weird, weird way he's not effective on offense sometimes, and. Just the the approach, the the mental game. Like, I just don't think he has it. And unfortunately, if this doesn't work out for the Wolves, holy shit, you gave up five draft picks for fuck all, basically. For an aging center who's limited as hell, you know, putting all your ships on car and the Townsend and and I thought it was a mistake. And on and again, even worse and even worse than all that, they kept the Angela Russell. So you just have a really bad mix of just you know, just a bunch of pieces that just may not, just may not fit. And they have time to figure it out. But as of now, it's kind of ugly. And we'll see, like, what happens. And, you know, I hope for Wolves fans, they suffer just as much as Kings fans that, you know, the, the Wolves figure this out. All right, that's all I have to say. A pretty short episode. Uh, Fong was not able to watch this episode, so that's why you're not hearing him right now. So, but... Uh, hopefully by next game, you, he will be back and we'll be talking about the Miami Heat game. And in addition, we'll be talking about uh, um, House of the Dragon, the season finale. Lots have happened. And uh, yeah, well, 
Thank you guys for listening to me ramble on about the Memphis Grizzlies versus the Kings. And also, you know, I'll be happy to talk about more Kings basketball and hopefully after a win uh, Saturday night against the Miami Heat.